us a shout of praise. Come on, we can do it. Give him a shout of praise. Jesus. Shout it after three. One, two, three. Jesus. And again. Jesus. We love you. Amen. You may be seated. Let's thank our musicians. Haven't they done an amazing amazing work among us over this last past year and I'm telling you you know for all of us whether you're whether you're up on this stage or or whether you're receiving in the congregation life is up and down for every single one of us never think you know that you know when you look at another person's life and it may seem as if they've got everything together never think that everything is necessarily together in their lives. But amidst all of the ups and downs of life, like David said, we will bless the Lord at all times. His praises are going to continually be in our mouths. And I thank God for the musicians that we have. I really do. I thank God for their heart. I thank God for the fact that they turn up. And our sound team. And our media team, headed up by Simon and Marcia, in season and out of season, when everything feels good and when you want to give up, they are here to serve us and bless us in, in what they're gifted to do. Amen. So let's give thanks to God for that this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue on this morning from where I left off last week. We started to look at four thoughts, four pointed messages that come out from those beginning moments of when Jesus came into our world and was born. And I'm just going to overview them briefly to you this morning, just as we covered them last week. I only got to cover just two of them last week, and we're going to cover the remaining two this morning. But we said in that first moment when Christ came into our world, we saw four pointed messages that come to us to encourage us and strengthen us. The first was this, how God displays his favor in the most unfavorable of places. That's what we see when we see the visit of Gabriel going to Mary in Nazareth. We said that Nazareth was a town that had a reputation of nothing good ever coming from it. And Mary lived there in that negative environment. There was no future there. All of, the, all of the, the, the statements around it and all of the lives in it had no hope. Nothing good ever came out of Nazareth. What a negative dead-end place to live. And yet God visits her through the angel Gabriel and pours his favor upon her in the most unfavorable of places. And that's a wonderful characteristic and quality about the God that loves us. Even amidst all of the unfavorable places of our lives, he's willing to pour his favor upon us. And we looked at how Paul pictured the lives that God chooses. Despised by this world, weak in the eyes of this world, powerless to achieve anything. And yet Paul says, they're the very people that God picks up 
from the ash heap. They're the very unfavorable lives that God chooses to pour his blessing and his favor upon. He encouraged the Corinthian church with those words and those words are there to encourage every believer in Christ. No matter what our past is, no matter what our background is, no matter where we've come from or where we feel we are, God is willing to pour his blessing and his favour upon us so that we become everything that he's created us to be in Christ Jesus. That's one of the messages that come to us from these beginning moments of when Christ Jesus came into our world and was born. The second message that we looked at was, that, was how God gives direction in the midst of distress. And we looked into Matthew and we saw the turmoil that, that Joseph must have been in the moment that he found out that his virgin bride was carrying a child. And we read the account from Matthew how Joseph had made a decision because he was a righteous man to obey the law and privately put Mary away. You know, it was scandalous what was happening. She was carrying a child in her womb. And in that society, she would have been seen as an adulteress or a sinful woman having to be stoned by the verdict of the law. And Joseph wanted to protect her from that and he wanted to privately put her away. But his heart must have been heavy when he found out that his, his bride-to-be was carrying a child that wasn't his. His heart must have been heavy to find out that this, this situation was far bigger than what his mind could take in. He was in turmoil. And yet, God brought direction in the midst of distress. Hallelujah. And we said that it doesn't matter what distresses come in our lives. It doesn't matter the highs and the lows of life. David even said, I walk through a dark valley. But in the midst of that dark valley, in the midst of every distress, God brings direction for our lives. And we saw how that unfolded in Joseph's life. He got word from an angel and he was able to take Mary as his espoused wife, and they continued on together to fulfill the plan of God in their lives. Now, the points that we're going to cover today, thirdly, is that God encourages us to use our faith to overcome fear. Don't worry about the music, boys. Don't worry about the music. It's fine. God encourages us to use our faith to overcome fear. And fourthly, what we're going to look at is how God provides light to overcome darkness. God encourages, encourages us to use our faith. Let's think about this for a moment. God encourages us to use our faith in the face of every fear. This is what we see happening in Mary and Joseph's life as they obediently obediently wanted to fulfill God's word over their lives. Right from the very beginning, they had to trust God even when they couldn't trace him. 
Right from the very beginning, they, they had to hold on to that word that had been spoken into their hearts. Even when it seemed so far from being fulfilled, they had to trust it. And the message to us is that very often life will contradict the word that God has spoken to you. And fears may come as to whether, you, whether it's going to be fulfilled or not. But in the face of every fear, in the face of every contrary circumstance, we have to believe God's word and walk in light of it as we've been instructed. I love how the New Testament, especially the Gospels, gives us such a broad, full picture of this early beginning of this birth narrative of Jesus as he came into the world. Just imagine if we only had details about the encounter where Gabriel visited Mary in Nazareth. Just imagine if we only had the details of when the angel Gabriel came to Joseph in a dream and assured him that everything was going to be okay. If we only had those details... We would never, ever see the full picture. In fact, if you only had those details, you would think that Mary and Joseph were going to just have an easy ride. You would think it was just going to be, hey, plain sailing, we got a word from God. We're favored by God. Mary receives news, highly favored by God, chosen above all women. The, 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 the offspring that's going to be born through you is going to carry the sins of the world. He's going to be the savior. He's going to be the king of all kings. His kingdom will be without any end. If you only had those details, you would easily think that there wouldn't be any trials, any trouble, any problems, any crisis. But the Bible gives us a wonderful full picture and just imagine all of these details began to unfold in front of Mary and Joseph as they went forward to obey God's word. After Mary said, be it done unto me according to your word, all hell broke loose. Now this is not abnormal. This is quite normal as, as we all know in this room, you receive a word from God, it excites your heart, you join your faith to it, and, and you say, so be it done, Lord. And you think everything's going to be smooth, everything's going to be plain sailing, and there's going to be ease involved. And that can be the case sometimes. But very often, our journey of faith and this is what the Bible on many occasions substantiates. Our journey of faith as we seek to go forward and, and pursue God's word over our lives. It involves trials and tests and temptations of many kinds and conflicts and crises. But in the midst of it all, we have to remain faithful to the word that God has given us. God encourages us to use our faith in the midst of every fear that would try to hinder us and impede us going forward. And this was the case for Mary and Joseph. The Bible gives us a wonderful picture. We as believers get a bird's eye view of the full picture 
And man, it is really a colourful, detailed picture of their lives as they go forward. And they weren't privy to the, to the picture that we now see. Why? Because it was a complete walk of faith. When your mind can't understand it, when your, when, when your head can't work it out, when all of your feelings are all over the place, we walk by faith, not by feelings. Amen. And we continue on. And we continue in our walk. And this is one of the wonderful messages that come out of those first moments of when Christ Jesus came into our world. I said a few weeks ago, the headlines over Mary's life, if you just had the headlines, it'd be amazing. Highly favored by God, chosen among women, above women, to carry the Savior of the world. His kingdom will never come to an end. Headline news. And sometimes, you know, we get despondent in our heart when life really tests that word over your life because our head is stuck with the headline news. Don't get despondent. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel just because everything seems so contrary to the promise that God's given you and planted in your heart. Yes, the headline was big. Yes, the headline was, was awesome and wonderful. And she said in response to that headline, be it done unto me according to your word. Okay then. Okay. We will. And life unfolded. And life surprised them on every corner, from every angle. It attacked them. And I'm glad that the Bible doesn't remove those awful details. And they are awful. This first moment when Christ came into our world is not, you know, a Christmas card moment that's been finely tuned by some graphic designer or artist. It's brutally hard. It's brutally dark. Testing this young couple to the limit and beyond, but they trusted God without a complaint in their mouth. What a wonderful example for us to follow. And what I find is this. You know, when you go through stuff, when, when things are hard, these are the very things that you turn to to receive help and encouragement and strength. James later would write, one of the apostles to the church, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, temptations and testings, Count it all joy. This couple fell hard. Once they had received the word of God in their hearts, once she had said, be it done unto me according to your word, they fell. They stumbled from circumstance to circumstance. But the testing, he says, of their faith, the testing of your faith produces. It produces. These are not needless trials that you are going through. These trials, these troubles that we face in life, come what, they, come what may, have a purpose. And even some of the wrong choices that we've made can, can plunge us headlong into a trial and into a difficult period. But you know what? 
even, even in the wrong choices that we've made, that we've brought trials upon our own life, God will use to perfect us. Because Paul says, Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And this couple was called according to the magnificent purpose of God for their lives and not only their lives, for the whole world. And God saw to it, whilst things seemed out of hand, whilst things seemed all over the place and out of control, God saw to it by the end of it all, it all worked and he mixed it all up together for his good, for his purpose, for his will to be fulfilled. And it's just like that for every one of our lives. Yes, it might not be pleasant, some of the things that we've gone through. Might even be hellish things. But God can even take the darkest, blackest moments of our lives and use them for his glory and work them for his good. Ultimately, he really can. This is the confidence that we face when fear comes knocking our door. This is the confidence that we face when trouble comes and crisis besets us. I remember a, a quote from Smith Wigglesworth. And he said... Um, he said, fear came knocking at my door, so I sent faith to answer, and then I couldn't find any fear. <laughs> it's good, eh? Isn't that great? When fear comes knocking your door, my God, don't answer it without faith, whatever you do. <laughs> Serious. Fear is a spirit. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. You answer that thing, that evil, wicked, demonic fear. You answer it, open the door, send faith. Don't even go yourself, just send faith to the door. Faith will deal with it and it won't even be there. I love it, the simplicity of it, but very, very powerful. Mary and Joseph were faced with challenges. You know, sometimes sudden change Sudden change can cause you to fear. Sudden change can cause you to, to, to be disturbed and, and confused. My goodness, when you look at these early beginning moments of when Jesus came into the world, all oh, the changes. When she said, be it done unto you, be it done unto me according to your word, word I don't think Mary knew what was about to hit. Even though, Prophecy outlined it all. But I don't think she knew what was going to hit. But God knew the character, the strength, and the tenacity of this young woman. He knew it. Yeah, she, she can handle this. Can God trust you with a problem? We're all praying, Lord, trust me with success. No, you don't want success. You want a good, hard problem to work your faith. You want a good hard crisis. You want a dark spell to really, you know, see the brilliance of his light. When God can trust his people with problems, oh, I believe his heart is, is pleased. We might not be. <laughs> we might not be. But God was trusting them. God knew the caliber of character in this young woman and in this young man. And they were more than a match for the circumstances that faced them. Relational tension, you see that in this moment of their lives. Relational tension, Joseph and Mary, 
Joseph didn't know what to do. They had to walk through that. It's a real thing. You know? Imagine finding out your wife's pregnant and you know you're not the husband. It's a real thing. Real trauma. Real sadness. Real, real perplexing moment for Joseph. Relational tension. God didn't tell her about that when he visited her in Nazareth through the angel Gabriel. Sudden change of locations. Everything prepared at home to bring the new arrival in. Suddenly they've got to travel 100 miles to Bethlehem and she's heavily pregnant, about to give birth. When they get there, they're knocking everywhere to get in. There's no room anywhere. They get pushed to a backyard, some stable animal shed. No midwife, no hospital, no, no sterility anywhere. Just dirt and muck, and the, the, the child is born. I don't know if she would have. Well, I think she would have. But I don't know if many of us would have volunteered for the job. When you see, and I, and I can't, we can't even describe it. We're trying our best. We can't even describe the awfulness of it, the aloneness, the isolation, the rejection. No room, no room, no room. I think we're going to have to go in here, Mary. Are you serious? Oh, I think we are going to have to go in here. And the baby's born. Joseph didn't go on a, on a delivery course of how to get, did he? I mean, you know, when my wife's been in labor, I haven't been much help in the labor room. <laughs> I think most of us here, men, would say the same. But he had to, he had to be there on hand bringing Jesus into the world, probably under Mary's direction. Then they get a short period of respite after the shepherds visit them. You see, God will always send somebody. He'll always send somebody amidst the darkness to give you an encouraging word, hope, light, for your faith to thrive in the midst of fear. When they were giving birth to Christ in, in that dirty, stinking hovel of a shelter, maybe they thought, my God, what's happened is this. And then the shepherds come. We've seen the angels. And the shepherds, you know the angels, the angelic, I, I just love it, the angelic host. It's just like they're completely ignorant to the circumstances that Mary and Joseph are in. They're completely ignorant. They, they've got not, they, they haven't even got any kind of consideration to the troubles that they've just gone through. It's beautiful. Because the angels didn't say the chorus of angels that lit up the sky and announced the news to the shepherds. They didn't say to the shepherds, Now, quick, run to the manger! Joseph and Mary are really having a difficult time. They're mentally scarred, mentally bruised. 
What an, she, she's traveled a hundred miles. Now they're in a dirty manger. Joseph's just had to deliver the kid. And it's, a, it's complete chaos. No, 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 none of that. Joy to the world. Joy to the, I mean, it's great, isn't it? God, you see, God didn't, God, the father, the father wasn't providing some nice hotel. He, he wanted the most humblest, the most broken, the most dirtiest place for the son of God to be born in. So it would send a message out. He just wanted to get the Savior into the world. He didn't care how he came. He didn't care about the niceties of life. And Jesus had no home. Later he would say, because they came to him, he was, he was having great success with people and the crowds and the multitudes and the miracles. And they would say, Jesus, where, is you, where are you staying? Maybe they were thinking such a successful preacher should have a big house and a big home. And he turned to them, the Son of God, and he said, Foxes have holes, birds of the air has nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That's our Saviour. Laying, he has nowhere to lay his head. He's in a dirty, stinking manger being born. And even after the, the, the multitude were fed, over 5,000 people were fed. Do you know what happened? You can read it in the Gospels. All of those thousands of people went home. Do you know where Jesus went? Up on the hill to pray. Because he didn't have a bed to lay in, friends. Nowhere to lay his head. Nowhere to call home. But he said, I've not come to be served. I've come to serve. You see. I've not come to be rich. I've come to be poor so that you might be rich. What an example. My God, he's incredible. He really is. Wonderful, wonderful Savior. Let me go on. Paul, facing the same trials and conflicting circumstances, said this. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18. He says, so we do not look at the troubles we now see. We do not look at the troubles we now see. Make a decision. I am not going to look at the troubles I now see. The devil, the demonic, the demonic forces that try to hinder the people of God want to get you to look at the troubles you now see. Be like Paul, resolute in your spirit. Come out fighting. Don't bow down to anything or, or any spiritual attack that is trying to come upon you, sickness in your body, don't take it. I do not look at the troubles I now see. That was Paul's attitude to life as he went out to meet it. My God, did he meet life? And life met him, slapped him about, hit him about. But what a, what a, what a spirit in this man. We do not look at the troubles we now see. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. We have the ability as believers not to look at the things that now trouble us, not to look at the things that are now seen. 
that cause us grief, we have an ability, you have it in you, to look beyond the trouble, to look beyond the crisis. It's the faith in your heart that is stirred up by the Holy Ghost within you, you little tinkers. Really, yes. You can never defeat a person like that. Never defeat them. The only thing you can do, and this is what they did to all of the apostles, just send them home to glory. Peter was crucified upside down and all of the others were, they tried to boil John in oil and they couldn't do that. They tried to throw him off a building. They couldn't kill him. So they isolated him to an isle called Patmos and that's where he wrote the book of Revelation. On the Lord's day, he said, he didn't say on the Lord's day, I'm exiled on Patmos, wondering if I'm ever going to get off here. I said, no, I'm here on the Lord's day. And in the spirit, he went to heaven. In the spirit, he stood before the throne. In the spirit, he saw wonderful things that are yet to come. And he wrote about them and left us revelation. What is that? That's the spirit of faith in the face of fear. That's the spirit of faith standing up, not looking at the things that are, but fixing your gaze on Jesus the author and finisher of your faith. You've got the ability to do that because Jesus Christ lives in you. You really have. We all have. That's a wonderful thing. Again, Paul declares in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, he says this, we walk by faith, not by sight. Just a little verse, but it reveals a lot about the stature and the tenor of that man. My God, that's the kind of people you want around you. We walk by faith, not by sight. And not being unreal, not trying to deny that there's not a problem and, and you know, not looking at... No, we're not, we're not talking about living in cuckoo land here. We're talking about in the midst of trials in the midst of suffering, in the midst of circumstances that we don't ha understand, holding on to God's word, believing in faith what he has spoken in, in the face of all of our fears. He said this in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch, stand fast in faith. Be brave, be strong. You're going to need to be brave. Going into 2020, I'm telling myself this and all. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, church. Hallelujah. I need to be brave. I know, Lord. I need to be strong. But we do this together. You see, we do it together. We're in this together. What you go through, I go through. What I go through, you go through. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. It's a beautiful unison, connection, community, fellowship that we have with one another. We're not isolated from one another. We feel the pain and the burden, even not knowing it sometimes. And some of you have carried a burden for a person the other side of the world. You don't even know them because you connect it. Stand fast in faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Sometimes faith is acknowledging that you're lost. Sometimes faith is acknowledging that you need 
God's help. It isn't always having this confident expectation of an, an understanding of where you are and where you need to go. David said, didn't he, in Psalm 34, verse 4, he said, I cried or I prayed to the Lord and he answered me and he freed me or he delivered me from all my fears. That's a prayer of faith. The fact that in amidst all of his fears, he just cried to God. Sometimes we might not be able to come out smiling. Sometimes we may feel all of the feelings of fear and all of the feelings of heaviness. But out from our heart and out from the core of our spirit comes, God help me. That's faith. That's faith. You're directing your heart, your attention, your soul to God. And in that moment, David said, he delivered me. He set me free. Acknowledging sometimes that we need his help is equally as expressive of faith as anything else. God encourages the use of our faith in the face of every fear. In the face of every fear. We've said God displays his favor firstly in the midst of the most unfavorable of places. Secondly, we've said God gives direction in the midst of distress. Thirdly, we've said that God encourages the use of our faith to overcome our fear. And finally, from this beginning birth narrative where Jesus came into the world, as the gospel shows it, we see that God provides light to overcome darkness. Now, we're not talking about physical darkness. You know what the darkness is. You know the darkness that I'm talking about. The darkness of your soul. The troubles that sometimes beset our minds and our lives. This was a terribly dark situation that Mary and Joseph were in. It really was. Beset with problem after problem after problem. Crisis was queuing up for them, to meet them, to take them out. But John the Apostle, and I covered this in the first weeks of December as we came into this Christmas period, John the Apostle writes, thinking about these first beginning moments. He doesn't give us detailed facts like the other synoptic writers do, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John takes a whole different approach. Doesn't give us any details about the scene at Nazareth with Gabriel. He doesn't lead us out onto the hills to see the shepherds coming as they've been visited by angels. He doesn't talk about Jesus and Mary and Joseph taking Jesus to Egypt for two years as they're exiled there, as Herod goes on a rampage to murder tens of thousands of babies, all to kill the Christ child. John doesn't cover any of those details. John just sums it up all in one statement. In John chapter 1, verse 5, he says this, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it or the darkness cannot extinguish it it cannot ever put it 
out. John was talking about a spiritual light that pierces a spiritual darkness that the darkness cannot extinguish. He wasn't just talking about the light shining just in those birth, in those beginning moments of when Christ was born. He says the light shines. That's present tense. There's light for you right now. Are you in a place of darkness? And when I say darkness, I mean worry and anxiety or, or, or concerns about the future. Do you know what? There's light for you. There's light for me. Light. Light. In my darkness. In my distress. There's wonderful light to lead us on through. And this is the message. One of the messages of those four that come out of those beginning moments of when Christ came in to our world. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to finish in just a moment. Do you know, I, I spoke to, well, I went out to meet a man recently. And um, I was with Tony on the outreach team in, with the outreach team in Betis one Monday night. And um, I just, we got off the minibus, and do you know what? I just walked straight up to a man. Didn't know him. I just walked straight up to him. I grabbed him by the arm. I said, it's good to see you, sir. How are you doing? And he was quite taken back by it. And over the two hours that we were there, I was just talking to him, and he was talking to me, and... Um, you know, I, I went off to talk to some other people, and as we, as we rounded up the night, uh, myself and Leighton, I don't know if Leighton's here this morning, my, myself and Leighton started to talk to him right at the end of the night, and the guy starts to cry his eyes out. And he said, he said, do you know what? He said, I had a dream last night. He said, to take my own life. And he said, he said as I was walking on my way tonight, that's what I was going to do. I was on my way to take my life. He said, then suddenly, you grabbed my arm. You interrupted me on my way. And he said, in the dream, he said, in the dream last night, he said, I saw myself on my way to take my life. But then, suddenly, the hand of God came and grabbed me by the arm and pulled me away from, from the course of action that I was going to take. And he said, your hand was the hand of God. Right? Now, hey, my hand is just as sinful and broken as yours. Nothing special. About, this ain't the hand of God. Right? But this is just a hand that God used. This is just a hand, a symbol that that God showed in that dream to that man just to help him. God can use anything. He can use a broken hand like this. He can use your broken hand. He can use your stuttering tongue. He can use your inability to, to rightly communicate the gospel in a broken way like we all do. He can use it. And I came away from that. We prayed with that man. He cried. And do you know what? I came away from that and I thought, do you know, my God, God can use anything. 
I didn't even say anything to the guy. I just grabbed him by the arm and said, how are you doing? And the man was struck in his heart because God had already been speaking to him. What is that? Light in darkness. Light piercing darkness right there. And I'm telling you, 2020, you're going to be an agent of light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he also said, you are the light of the world. And we're going to be getting into that. I'm telling you, you, you haven't got to be, really, you haven't got to be trained. We haven't got to be educated. We've just got to be the people of faith that God's created us to be in the simplicity of our, of our own language, God will use our mouths. People are going to be one to Christ through you and I. I really do believe it. And it excites me. It really does. I, I, I was with another man again just a few weeks ago. And he had made a decision to leave his home. Made a decision. That's it. I'm through. Done. He wasn't a believer. I said, oh, sir, why don't you come in and have a little chat? So we sat down and made him a cup of tea. It's always a good point to start. Cup of tea. I said, sir, I said, are you sure you want to you wanna go ahead with this? I'm, I'm done. I'm, I, and I mean, all of the reasons were stacked up, hurting, just hurting in his heart. Just going to make some decisions from that pain and that, that loneliness. And I said, sir, I said, do you know what? I said, I said, you need peace. That's right. And I'm talking to a guy, you know, in later years of life. That's right, I do. I said, you need, I said, you need comfort, don't you, inside? Yeah, I do. I said, I said, you need relief from that heavy heart, don't you? Yeah, I do, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, yeah. I said, you need Jesus. And he looked at me. And he said, yeah, I do. I said, how about praying with me right now? How about me and you just talking to him? Because he's not going to ignore your need. He's not going to ignore your pain. He's, gonna, he's not going to ignore the, the difficulties and the decisions that, that you've made. He's going he's to come and help you and save you and enable you. I said, leaving homes, not the answer. Doing what you're doing is it's just going to land you in a bigger mess. I said, let's pray. Do you know what? We prayed together. My God, the power of God came in. He just started to weep, cry openly with me. And then through the day, I saw him through the day. And he just break down crying. Just, I, I'd go up to him and say, hey, come on. You did it. You prayed. You asked Jesus to come. I didn't say, well, do you want to join our church? The guy's broken, bleeding, needs help. And listen, I, I would be overjoyed to have this building full of people that, that want to know Christ. But you know what? That is not the mission. The mission is to go into the highways and the byways to preach the good news, the gospel, to bring light where there is darkness, to bring light and hope and healing. And when they went out, those apostles, 
into the highways and the byways, they didn't say, come and join the first church in the upper room. There wasn't any room there. And we would love to see people join and be discipled and be, you know, so our families enlarged. But do you know what? Our job, we cannot get bogged down with that kind of thinking. We must have a burning heart to reach the lost, wherever they are, at any cost. Reach the lost at any cost. I've heard that somewhere before. Amen. Amen. Let me have a look at the time. 10 past 12. Yep, we're going to finish there. Father, I thank you for your people. Lord, I thank you. Lord, as I have spoken your word this morning, I pray that, Lord, for some it may comfort them. For some it may bring healing. For others it may bring hope. For others, Lord, I pray you've seen the darkness that's tried to bring us down, take us out. I pray that it would be light again for us to go back to your word, your word. The Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing that which is soulish and fleshly from that which is spiritual. Lord, I pray that your Word would be living within us, that it would dwell within us richly. Lord, that your favor, the favor of your Word would come into the unfavorable areas of our life where we're weak, Grace us, favor us with your word. Lord, I pray in any moment of distress, your word would come with clear direction this day. Lord, or if there's fear, fear that's besetting us, that as we place faith in your word, in what you have said, not a suggestion, but the eternal word that is settled forever in heaven. Lord, we would face every fear with confidence as we place our faith in your word. Or your word would just be like that beautiful light that the darkness cannot overcome. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, Lord. Lord, I pray that your word would settle in our hearts as we come to the close of this year. And as we go on into a new year, and Lord, I pray that we would be like those laborers that harvest the harvest that you are Lord of in our offices, in our homes, that you would just opportunities to tell of your wonderful love would just be in front of us every day. And Lord, I pray that there would be receptive hearts to receive your word from our lips. And Lord, if we're rejected, it would just fire us up even more with your love to love those that reject us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.